to build, what to build. Oh, come on, Lucy. Wow, you're a builder. You're a maker. You're a... <gasps> I got it! Tool call. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. Wrench. Drill. Drill. Great job, Kapow. Great job, Kapow. Oh, no, wait, that's me. Great job, Lucy Wow. Oh, brother. Now all we have to do is turn this thing on. Let the show begin. Oh, hi there. Welcome back to Pflugerville. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's psychic is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Every day is a new adventure in building and invention. But luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have energy for projects of my own, like hosting this podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right, Lucy Wow invented me, from my parts made of tools to my boombox butt. A lot of people think I'm the greatest invention of all time, the goat. That's why they're always calling me the goat. But the truth is that every invention, no matter how small, can change the world. One of the fun parts about inventing is you never know what your invention may become. A simple invention could become a podcast host like me or one of the most famous symbols of all time. Like today's invention. <laughs> oh, sorry, power nap. Where was I? Oh, right. Today's invention is the one and only Smiley face. You know the image I'm talking about, right? The yellow circle with smaller black circles for eyes and a big happy smile? That's the smiley or smiley face. Nowadays, you see it everywhere. But first, it had to be invented. People love a good smile. They always have. In fact, there's a stone carving found in a French cave that dates back to 2500 BC. That's almost 5,000 years ago. Wow! That smiles right at you across the centuries. It's not yellow like the smiley face of today, but the basics are there. A circle with two circular eyes and a big happy smile. 4,463 years later, in Massachusetts, a man named Harvey Ross Ball was hired to create an image that would cheer people up who worked at an insurance company. Oh. It was a simple job and Harvey finished the design in less than 10 minutes and was paid $45 for his work. What he created was a circular, yellow, smiling face. And it worked! It made the company's employees smile. So the insurance company decided to spread the smiles around. They produced thousands of buttons and handed them out to their families and friends. Before they knew it, the image was everywhere. Ten years later, Bernard and Murray Spain, two brothers who owned a greeting card shop in Philadelphia, came across one of these buttons while shopping. These brothers loved the design, but felt that the happy face was missing some words. They thought the yellow smiley should speak, so they added the slogan, have a nice day, 
to the smile and immediately began producing their own novelty items. This was a hard time in America because of the Vietnam War, and the simple message of happiness was just what the people were looking for. By the end of the year, they had sold more than 50 million buttons and countless of other products with their happy message and smiling face. Ooh. Have a nice day indeed! Meanwhile, in Europe, a French journalist named Franklin Lufreni started using the smiley face to highlight good news in the newspaper he worked for. If he wrote a happy story, he'd mark it with a smiley face. These stories quickly became the most popular in the paper. Franklin realized he was onto something and decided to leave the paper biz and get into the smiley face biz. He started the Smiley Face Company and began selling smiley face t-shirts all over the world. How popular can a t-shirt be? Well, today, the Smiley Face Company makes more than $130 million a year. Wow! If that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what will. 10 years later, Scott Fallman was trying to create a way to show emotion in text. He wanted to be able to let people know he was happy or sad with a push of a single button. He worked and worked until he came up with the idea of simple digital pictures that he called emoticons. Of course, back in the 80s, there was no such thing as cell phones. So emoticons didn't make a big splash yet. The splash came 20 years later when texting got big. The word emoticons got shortened to emojis, and the rest is texting history. No one ever could have guessed that a silly little drawing would end up a part of how we talk, that a smiley face would become an image that people from every nation across the globe would use to express themselves. But that just goes to show you, you never know. Yesterday's doodle might just be tomorrow's t-shirt. Oh, hi there! Welcome back to Pflugerville! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's sidekick is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. I mean, with Lucy, every day is an adventure in building and invention. Luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have time for projects of my own, like... <sighs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, sorry. Power nap! Where was I? Oh, right! My special side project. This podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Because I am an invention. That's right! Lucy Wow invented me in order to add a little kapow to her wow! People invent all sorts of things, from mechanical pygmy goats to light bulbs to new ways to dance! That's right! Dances are invented! I mean, you don't see animals doing the floss in the forest, do you? Today we're going to talk about a dance that really puts the kapow into booty shaking. I'm talking about... Breakdancing! Breakdancing is a style of dance that combines coordination, acrobatics, athletic movements, cool style, and street aesthetics. It evolved from hip-hop movement during the early 1970s. It originated among Latin American and African American youths in the Bronx of New York, who were inspired by the performances of James Brown. And it truly was a dance born on the street. 
Back then, DJs would play music outside and dancers would dance right there on the sidewalk. I guess that means the corner would be called a side moonwalk. <laughs> anyway, while breakdancing was a movement that came from the crowded streets of New York, one man stands alone at the very beginning of it all. And his name is Cool Herc. Cool is a Jamaican DJ who makes percussion breaks. A percussion break is where all of the elements of a song, except for the drums and beats, disappear. There's no vocals or horns, just the beats. Cool Herc played these breaks repeatedly, moving back and forth between them, and what he called cutting breaks. This is why the dancers called the dance break dancing, and themselves breakers, or b-boys, or b-girls, for short. Cool got more popular and started performing for live audiences in dance clubs in New York. And when he did, he would yell, B-Boys go down! And that was the signal for the B-Boys and B-Girls to show the crowd what they could do. These dancers found inspiration everywhere, from sports to robots, gymnastics to disco. They then took these inspirations and combined them all to invent dance moves that no one had ever seen before. Oh. In 1979, a new breaker crew was formed called the Rocksteady Crew. This crew introduced acrobatic movements such as headpins, hand glides, and backspin. Basically, all of the moves we know and love today. These new moves took breakdancing's popularity to a whole new level. But then, in 1980, it became a worldwide sensation when it was adopted by pop artists like Michael Jackson. With Michael Jackson's moonwalk, breakdancing was everywhere, and it has stayed everywhere. Nowadays, there are worldwide breakdancing competitions and dance crews that sell out theaters every night in Las Vegas. Oh, my goatness, even BTS breakdances. Some say this isn't the whole story, though. Some say the breakdancing we know today started as a way for rival street gangs to settle arguments. Dancers from each gang would start dancing, and the one with the coolest moves was determined to be the winner. Peace through dancing? I love that! We should settle all disputes that way. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Batman have a dance-off with a Joker? Of course, Music is a crucial ingredient for any type of dance. To create music for the B-Boys and B-Girls, DJs borrowed from other genres, including funk, jazz, soul, disco, electro, and R&B. Any music works, really, as long as there are breaks. But of all the music used, hip-hop is the one most frequently played. Breakdancing is forever linked to hip-hop. They're both part of a culture that was born on the streets in the 70s and made its way to every corner of the globe. Which just goes to show, you never know what an invention may become. A dance made up by one kid on a street corner in New York can become the inspiration for K-pop music videos 40 years later. Wow! Oh, hi there! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Pflugerville. You might know me as Lucy Wow's sidekick, or you might know me as the inventor of the word Sloopy. Sloopy is the word for when you get sleepy from eating too much soup. It's gonna be popular. Pretty soon, you won't be able to walk into a restaurant without hearing someone say, this clam chowder is making me sloopy. But I don't just invent words, I was invented. That's right, Lucy Wow invented me, which just goes to show inventions come in all forms. 
You can invent a mechanical pygmy goat. You can invent a word. You can even invent a color. You heard me. Today we're going to look at the man who accidentally invented the color. Mauve. Today, we live in a world with lots of color. Your pants can be pink, your house can be yellow, and your backpack can be rainbow striped. But not that long ago, color was a luxury. You see, dyes in the past were produced from natural sources, such as plants, trees, insects, and minerals. These dyes were hard to make, expensive to buy, and what's worse, they faded quickly in the sunlight or when you washed them. Because of this, wearing color became a luxury for the royalty and the rich. The average person in the 1850s just wore dull beiges and browns. But then, in 1856, an 18-year-old experimenting in his tiny home laboratory in London made a mistake and changed everything. Oh. His name was William Perkin. Will loved chemistry, which is the science of chemicals. He would work all day in his home lab, mixing chemicals in hopes of creating something new. His dream was to create an affordable version of quinine, a medicine used to treat a disease called malaria. One day, Will tried using thick, oily coal tar to create quinine, but it didn't work. Will ended up with nothing but a bowl full of bright red goo. He mixed in a few other chemicals and turned it into a black goo. Goosville! <laughs> Will had hit a dead end. Ready to start over, Will started cleaning out his mixing bowl with alcohol. And to his surprise, the goo turned to a beautiful shade of purple. Inspired, Will took a piece of silk cloth and dipped it in the goo. And next thing you know, that boring old cloth was a gorgeous purple. William had just invented synthetic dye. Synthetic basically means something is created in a lab rather than existing naturally. Of all the colors that Will could have invented, purple was the most special. You see, up until then, the only way to make purple dye was to use the mucus or snot of a single type of sea snail. But snail boogers aren't very big. <laughs> so purple dye was very rare and expensive. It became the color of kings and queens the only people who could afford it. But as the royalty of the world bought more and more purple robes, they drove the sea snails to extinction. And the snails took purple dye with them. Wow! Will had just brought the royal color back to life. And his dye was made from cheap and plentiful chemicals instead of snail snot. So it wouldn't be very expensive. Will called his special affordable shade of purple mauve after the French name for the mallow flower. Will rushed over to show the mauve cloth to his friend, Arthur Church. And soon, the two friends opened a factory where they started dyeing silk, wool, and cotton. And later, even paper. At first, people weren't sure about this new color or dye technique. But in 1857, Empress Eugenie, wife of Napoleon III, and an influential fashion icon, took a liking to mauve. The following year, Queen Victoria wore a mauve dress to her daughter's wedding. Ooh. They did it! Europe went into a mauve frenzy. The streets of Paris and London were filled with mauve gowns, ribbons, fans, gloves, and slippers. And for the first time ever, 
The colorful clothes were being worn by rich and poor alike. Soon, other chemists copied Will's success and began inventing their own hues. Manchester Brown, Martius Yellow, Nicholson's Blue were all very quickly invented. By 1956, the year Moth turned 100, Will's invention had inspired more than 100 unique colors. Will's discovery had a huge impact on the world we see around us. His cheap dye democratized color, or in other words, he gave color to everyone, which is why color is everywhere now. It's easy to take it for granted, but it's worth remembering that without inventors like Will, we'd be living in a gray and beige world. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another Kapow's Power of Invention podcast. Come back tomorrow when I'll be covering more inventors and inventions. And while you're waiting, you do realize there are just a slew of shows that take place in Pflugerville, right? It's true. There's Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn, inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat Kapow. Hey, that's me, Lucy Goes Big. And then she goes bigger! Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, you should check out R.L. Stein's Story Club. That's a real winner. I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories. And you can too! At Keep on the Lights, folks. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein's Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll find your way. I get a lot of excitement as Lucy Wow's sidekick. Sometimes it overwhelms me and I just, well, you know, faint! Well, today I got the most exciting news, and I, and I, oh, easy kapow, deep breaths, don't faint, I'm on a t-shirt and a hoodie and a sticker, dog, I'm famous, the most famous mechanical pygmy goats ever live, go to gokidgo.com and check me out, Lucy Well merchandise is now available, and you know you need more kapow in your life, until next time, this is kapow signing off, go kid go! Go Kid Go!